0: Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. Our pastors are enjoying some very much deserving and needing vacation with the girls. uh, Family time. They are are at um, Disney World right now. Definitely missed them. I know Ellie's birthday is tomorrow, I believe. So what little girl does not want to go to Disney World for her birthday, right? So um, let's pray for them for a safe return. I believe they'll be driving back tomorrow. And Pastor gave me the honor and the responsibility to bring the word today. I was telling my husband earlier this week, I feel the pressure of bringing the word on Sunday because Pastor Ryan's sermons here lately have been on fire. (laughs) They've been amazing sermons. And although I'm not Pastor Ryan, I do know that the word that God gave me today, it is for some of you that are here this morning. You guys know that I am a lady of confirmations and, and God confirmed to me this word One, two, three, four times. Um, He knows that. That's how my brain functions. I never want to be the person that stands here and just says whatever. Or, you know, it's during the week saying, "Um, what should be a good thing to talk about? You know, I always want to be led by the Holy Spirit. And so I believe this is a word for some of you here this morning or watching. Let's get into the scripture this morning, okay? Okay. Let's open our Bibles to Matthew fifteen, and we're gonna read not too much, but a little bit from verse eleven to thirty-two. The well-known parable of the prodigal son. I love how all the songs were kind of related right now um, to what we were singing, especially the one we just sang, right? Hell, last the one. I am free. Um uh, this morning, I wanted to share during Spanish, and um, I didn't ask Pastor Danny for the mic, but we all have seen what's going on in Asbury, right? And we we continue to see the videos, and we're talking about it, and we're excited about it. And as as we were worshiping during Spanish, the Holy Spirit ministered to my heart and said, For so long, you've been asking for the heavens to be opened. The heavens have been opened. But now I'm seeking for people that are desiring my presence for that fire to come. And I had to share that for Spanish, Pastor Danny, and I didn't. So you can share it next week. But I I did want to share this with you guys because for so long... We're saying, let the heavens open, right? Let the heavens open. Let the fire. And the Lord already opened the heavens. But are you positioned to receive what God is doing and what God is going to continue to do? He desires uh, people and hearts that are desiring his presence and his Holy Spirit like never before. And if we're positioned there, we're going to catch it. And we've believed and we've declared that revival is going to start in Numa in the city of Houston. So I hope y'all are ready for what God is stirring in all of our hearts. And I hope that this is stirring something. I love that it's you know it started with the young generation, but now the lines are outside of the the chapel and the school and stuff. So that. It's amazing. I saw a post, and this has nothing to do with my notes, but I saw a post that said, uh, "The devil thought he won because they worship him in the Grammys for five minutes, but they've been worshiping God for over a hundred hours, right? So God has always the last word." Let's go to our scripture, Matthew fifteen, eleven to thirty-two, and I'm going to ask you to stand to read the Word of God this morning. I will be reading out of the ESV version. It says, And he said, This is Jesus. There was a man who had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of property that is coming to me. And he divided his property between them. Not many days later... And he was longing to be fed with the pots that the pigs ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's higher servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against you, um, against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Luke 15. What did I say? I am so sorry. Luke 15. I hope you guys are following. <laughs> it's, a, it's a back there? Oh, goodness gracious. Okay. I'm sorry. Luke 15. And now I am uh, on verse 21. Got it? Thank you. See, that's why he's uh, my better half. He's like, eh, time out, lady. You said the wrong. Okay. And, uh, and, uh, and the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and, uh, and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, bring quickly the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and shoes on his feet. And bring the fattened calf and kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For this, my son was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field, and as he came and drew near the house, he heard the music and dancing, and he called one of the servants and asked what these things meant. And he said to him, Your brother has come and your father has killed the fat calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entrenched him. But he answered his father, Look, this many years I have served you and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fat and cow for him. And he said to him, son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this. Your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let's go ahead and pray. Thank you, Father God. Thank you for bringing us here this morning. Thank you, my God, for everything that you are doing in this place. I ask, my God, that this word may be able to penetrate the hearts and the minds of your people this morning. I ask, my God, that you take control of every word that is coming out of my mouth. Let it not be announced of me, but all of you. Holy Spirit, I place myself in your hands. You take over. I ask, my God, that we may be able to receive what you gave me to give this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. You may be seated. I don't even know why I said Matthew. Maybe because we're reading Matthew so much. Uh, A a small thing in there. If you don't come to Wednesday's Bible study, we're going over Matthew. Uh, Join us at 7. We have English and we have Spanish. Okay, so there's a few points I want to touch on from the scripture that we just read this morning. But first, I think it's important for us to to talk about and know what was going on, what was the setting, uh, what was happening during that time when Jesus was saying this parable. Um, Jesus was talking to an audience of tax collectors, sinners, the Pharisees were in the crowd, and so were the scribes. The tax collectors were considered traitors by the Pharisees because they worked for the Roman Empire so they were um, looking down on by the Pharisees the, uh, the sinners to them it was pretty much anyone who didn't follow the law the Pharisees were all about the law and um, the Pharisees were the Jewish religious leaders of that time they were all about keeping the law of Moses if you have watched The Chosen you know who the Pharisees uh, were. If you have not, I recommend you watch it. It took me forever. We just started watching it during the fast, and it's I regret not watching it before. And then the scribes were also in the crowd, and the scribes were the writers of the law. Okay, so the Pharisees and the scribes are criticizing Jesus because he was sitting um, and he was eating with tax collectors and sinners, right? So they're like, how come, you know, you're sitting and you're eating with tax collectors and sinners? And so they were concerned because to them, these people were to be avoided. You weren't supposed to to be in the presence of them, right? You weren't supposed to sit with them, much less eat with them. Uh, But Jesus first, before getting into this parable, he tells them two other stories He tells them the story of a lost sheep, the shepherd leaving the 99 to go find the one. And then he tells them the story about a woman who had lost her silver coin. And she pretty much flipped her house upside down until she found it. And once she did, she called her neighbors and she called her friends to come and celebrate with her. And then he proceeds to tell them the story of these two sons who let me tell you were both lost although only one of them left they were both lost one son leaves and when the other one stays behind I will explain to you why although he was in his father's house he was lost as well I have entitled my message welcome home can you turn around and tell your neighbor, welcome home. I know we say that when we come to the, to the house of the Lord. But really, welcome home. We see the, son, uh, the young son telling his father, give me the part, my part of the inheritance. Okay. First, let me tell you that this was unheard of. Because in that culture, the older son should have been the one to receive The part of the inheritance first. But that wasn't supposed to happen until the father had died. So ultimately, what the son, the young son is saying to his father is, I wish you were dead. As I read this, I couldn't help but wonder, what took this son to this point? Right? of wanting to leave his father's house, his father's provision, his father's covering. The story doesn't tell us, but I can assume by reading it that it had to be something gradual. You don't just wake up one day saying, I'm done with all of this, I'm leaving. There's steps that you take to get to that place. I heard Pastor Maritza say that Uh, Sister Angelica had brought a study on the prodigal son. And one of the things that caught my attention was that she said that the son was probably tired and frustrated. And he was done. And it makes sense. I couldn't agree more with that. Because out of nowhere, you don't just wake up and say, give me what belongs to me. I'm leaving So I wonder, as I was reading, how many of us can relate to this son when it comes to our heavenly father? Right? There are people who have left the father's house, the father's covering, maybe because they felt that this Christian walk was too much. It's a lot of work. God, I can't do it. Maybe they thought to themselves, I'll never live up to so-and-so. They're so much better than me. And, and, and they, they make it look so easy. Or how many right now already took the steps and you're already at the brink of saying, I'm done. I'm walking away from the Father's covering. Perhaps some are even scared To even start the Christian walk. They know of Jesus. They've heard of Jesus. But maybe it looks too intimidating for them. But can I tell you that it it all starts with a relationship. The minute that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior. That's when the relationship starts. Whichever the case was with this son. The father without questioning. He did something also unheard of in those days. And he gave his son what he asked for. In that culture, he probably would have, you know, gotten in trouble and say, how dare you? I'm not even dead and you already want me to give you what's coming to you when I'm gone. But he didn't do any of that. He gave him what he asked for. The word says that many days later, he gathered all his belongings and he left. And it's interesting that he didn't leave to the town next to them or a few hours from them. It says that he lived to a far country. That tells you that he wanted to be as far as possible from anything or anyone that reminded him of his identity. Had he stayed closed, right? Had he had gone from like, let's say, Houston to Pasadena. Somebody probably would have recognized him and asked, aren't you the son of so-and-so? He didn't want that to happen. So he left to a far country. Isn't that what we do when we give our God, our back to God? We eliminate all connections that remind us of our true identity and whose we are. I've shared this before with you guys, but... There was a point in my life when I wanted nothing to do with God. After I moved here from California, I was serving God in California, and when I left California, I also left God in California. I didn't bring him to Texas with me. I completely turned my back on God and on anything or anyone godly, for that matter. I was mad, I was frustrated, I was burned out. I had more questions than answers, and I completely left the church. And everything and anyone even close to it. Pastor Marita and Pastor Danny can be my witness. They were already living in Texas, and I saw them probably a couple of times. I remember telling God in hurt and frustration, where were you when my life was falling apart? Where were you when I was leading worship Sunday after Sunday while my life was falling apart? You weren't there. I was by myself. Why didn't you work things out for me like you worked things out for so-and-so? And so I told God, I'm done. I'm going to live my life my way because your way doesn't work. The only person who I could not eliminate for obvious reasons was my sister because that's my sister, right? And we've always been close, but even then, I wouldn't see her as often Uh, because she was that reminder of a godly life that I once lived and of the godly life that I was a part of and what a godly life looks like. And I wanted nothing to do with that. When I tell you I was drinking, I tried smoking for the first time, I don't even know what I was thinking, this is disgusting. I, I went to club, I'm, I'm I went all out. Just like at some point I was all in. When I left, I was all out. I look back on those days, that was, I don't know, 14 years ago, something like that. I look back and I think, what a brat I do. Because my love and my obedience to the Father should not be determined by my circumstances, but by my relationship with Him. Nothing else. There are people that have left, and they have not left only the church, the Father's house, but they have got friendships. or so at the very least, they have distanced themselves from relationships, pretty much anything that will remind them of their true identity. Can I tell you that this is you? The father is waiting for you with open arms and no questions asked. We read that the son has spent all his money in wild living. At that time, the word says that there was a famine in that country and he had lost everything. And now he finds himself hired by a citizen of that country to feed The pigs. The pigs. You know, when we hear about the story of Joseph and we hear from the pit to the palace. With this son, it was the opposite. He went from the palace to the pit. Pigs were considered to be unclean animals back in those days. So that tells you that this guy had hit rock bottom. So much so that he was desiring to eat what the most unclean animal was eating. But they wouldn't even give him that. This next part got my attention, and I sp- want to spend a little bit of time here, verse 17, when it says, "When he came to himself, again, when he came to himself. When you leave the father's house, you don't want someone telling you how much of a sinner you are, <laughs> or pointing the finger of you at you. Trust me, they know. When I was out, I knew what I was doing. Nobody had to tell me how bad I was sinning. I knew I was sinning. Remember when I told you that my sister was the only reminder of what living a godly life looked like? Let me give you a tip. For anyone who has someone that has left the father's house or the father's covering, don't try to shove Jesus down their throat or tell them how bad they're living or how bad of a sinner they are. Let them come to themselves. They will come to their senses on their own. You can pray for them. Yes, absolutely intercede. Pray for them, over them. I remember, was it Pastor Marita that you would say when he was out of the church, you would pray for him at night? He was probably drunk, and you don't get mad if I say that because I know you preach it from up here. But she was praying over her husband in silence. Pray over that person, whether they're inside of your home or they're not. Pray, intercede, but don't tell them, don't point the finger do what you're doing and that you shouldn't be doing. Don't do that. What should I do then other than praying, you might ask. Preach Jesus with your life. Preach Jesus with your testimony. Don't compromise Jesus for anyone, for anyone It doesn't matter who they are, how close they are to you, how much you love them. Don't compromise your testimony or Jesus for them. How are they going to come back if you go have just one drink with them? How is that preaching Jesus to them? How are they going to come back or come at all if you have just that one cigarette with them? They won't. How are they going to come to Jesus if you go to the club just that one time with them? They won't. Because they see that you yourself are not living a life worthy or following. So why should they do that? Why should they commit if you're not fully committed? Preach with your testimony. Let them encounter the love, the mercy, and the grace of the Father... By how they see how you act, how you are, how you preach, how you walk. Your presence itself will make them uncomfortable. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. You walk into the room and... You, you. I've heard of people that say, no, people don't do, or they don't cuss, or they don't smoke, or they don't do when I'm around. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. So just you walking will give them conviction. When I was hanging out with my sister, she didn't have to say a word. Nothing. She never judged me. She never said, what are you doing? She never said, what? What are you think? Never. All she did was play her Christian music in the car when we're going somewhere. I saw how she was serving God already with Renee. They've been serving since they were dating. Uh, they were serving God in their church at that time, and then eventually, here and there, she would invite me to church. That's what she did. I know a couple of times I asked her to change the the radio station, and she would say, no. (laughs) Her car, her rules, right? And although um, she's my little sister, she's the bossier of us, too. She has a stronger temper. She's a type one. (laughs) Type ones like to say what's on their mind. So if someone could have called me out, was her. But she never did. She just didn't compromise who she was for me. And the Holy Spirit was speaking to me through every Marcela Gandara song that she played in that vehicle. And I still remember it was Marcela Gandara. Don't compromise Jesus or your testimony for anyone. Believe me when I tell you that the Holy Spirit can do in one minute what a thousand of your words cannot. I want to tell you this morning that if, if you're here and maybe you feel that, um, that someone's just been judging you or they're going to judge you or they're not, come give Numa a try. If you don't have a home church, come. Get, we're known for being loving people. We are not going to point our finger or tell you how bad. No, we're going to welcome you. We're going to pray with you. You're going to pray for you. We're going to walk with you. Just come home. The prodigal son said, my father's servants have more than enough bread, but I perish here with hunger. He said, I will arise and go to my father. His resurrection was around the corner, (laughs) y'all. I will say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your hired servants. And as he arose and he arose and came to his father. That was true repentance right there. God sometimes will let you hit rock bottom so that you realize that you are nothing without him. I came to my senses in my car on my way home after work. For some reason, that day I chose to listen to KSBJ, Don't Ask Me Why. And there was just one song that came and just broke me and this my husband mind you doesn't even know who Jesus is because I he just knew oh she used to go to church that's all he knew and i couldn't stop crying i remember hugging the steering wheel of my car and just crying and crying and crying And I couldn't stop. I was crying like a little baby. And I remember telling God, I can't do it this way anymore. I'm doing whatever I want. I can go wherever I want. I'm having fun. But I'm empty. I'm empty. All I could say was, sorry. Sorry. I'm sorry I left you behind. I'm sorry I thought I could do this on my own. I need you. From that day forward, my life changed. I told my husband, so I think I want to go to church. (laughs) And he was like, what do you mean? I "I think I want to start going to my dad's church because I didn't know any other church. And my dad's church was all Spanish speaking. And my husband doesn't speak a word of Spanish. Well, now he knows a few words. He knows how to order in Spanish for sure. so he uh he agreed right, and and I remember the first couple of times he would sit there on the bench and he would just read the Bible, right he didn't understand the songs he didn't he didn't understand he didn't even know who Jesus was. He just sat there and read his Bible until you know God messed him up the same way he messed me up, which is funny. It was listening to a song the the worship the, the worship team was was singing. And he's like, I gotta go. I'm having a heart attack. I'm ha- I gotta go. I'm having a heart attack. And and so I'm like, okay, I grabbed my purse, I grabbed my I'm like, let's go. And and then and and in the parking lot, I'm driving, and and because I really thought I was having to take him to the emergency room, and I'm about to pull off, and it was I know it was the Holy Spirit that said, Ask him what he feels. And I stopped right from pulling for the parking lot and I said Why do you feel you're having a heart attack? What do you feel? I just feel dirty. And he starts crying and crying and crying. And I knew that was the Holy Spirit messing him up too. And so I said, no, that's the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? (laughs) He really had no clue And so I said, no, we're going to go back in. We're going to finish that. You're not having a heart attack. He's like, I just feel so dirty. I feel unclean. I feel like I'm not worthy. And he just, as I say, thank you, Jesus, because the Lord need, he knew that I was going to need a husband that was going to serve with me. And so we went back. (laughs) Numa is history. They invited us. His mom, for those of you who do not know, uh, Pastor Danny and Brother David are like my little brothers. Uh, my ex-husband was their brother. And so my then mother-in-law came to visit, and he invited us to what was Primera at that time. And we decided to come. I just came because he said we're going to go have lunch with my mom afterwards. He said, okay, we'll go. And I was I was really trying to find a church. we. We went to Lakewood for a little while, but from that day, we came a couple of times. It was bilingual. I remember the pastor, Pastor Juan and Pastor Annette, translating, preaching, and I'm like, man, this feels like home, and at that time, Guerra, which he lives in Austin now. Um, If you guys know him, Chaparrito, he's short, but he was like a powerful, short little guy when he spoke and when he worshiped, and we were sitting somewhere in that area, and I remember telling God, God, if if this is home, you got to let us know because we need to find a home church. I can go to all Spanish because he's never going to grow, and Lakewood was good, but it was too big of a church, and I knew I wanted to serve, and so... He was praying the same thing. And he, his prayer, which I'm telling you, when, when you say bold, bold prayers, God answers. He said, God, if this is where I'm supposed to be, let someone I don't even know, and this was our second time here, come and pray for me where I'm at. Like, it's kind of like a bratty prayer, I, I think. And guess what happened? Gera came brother, can I pray for you? Where We were sitting. He said, sure. He prayed over him. We looked at each other and we said, this is home. Because when you decide that you're just going to give your all to God and you make foolish and bratty requests, sometimes God will be like, okay, okay. And he'll do it. Because he has called you, because you have been chosen, because you have a purpose, and because you belong here. Verse 20 says, this is my favorite part of the story. While he was still a long way off. That means, when I read it to me, that his dad was waiting, right? Because he was able to see him from a distance. So while his son was still a long way off, he was probably every morning going outside, maybe sitting. I picture him, I don't know, sitting next to all his beautiful plants, left to right, and and hoping that his son would come. And one day, (laughs) he sat out there and he said, what is that? Is that? Yes. And the word says that he felt compassion. He ran towards him. He embraced him and he kissed him. The son says, I'm not worthy of being called your son. See, the father didn't care about what he did with his money. He didn't care what he had to say. He didn't care about his apologies. He only cared about the fact that his son was back. And he told his servants, hurry, bring the best robe, bring the fan calf. kill it and let's celebrate. I want to get back to what happened after this in a little bit. But now I want to talk about the other son. When he was coming back from the field, right, which means that he was working. If he was in the field, he was working. He heard the music and he asked one of the servants, what's, so what, what's all that going on over there, right? He told him, your brother came back. Your father gave orders to kill the biggest calf to celebrate his return, see, instead of him being happy because his brother returned, he got mad. And he said, yep, I'm not going in. Mm -mm, I'm not going to join none of that nonsense. And listen to his response. Because the father had to come out and talk to him. He said, I've served you many years. I never disobeyed your command yet. You never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends That, to me, equals no relationship with the father. You think the father wouldn't have given him a young goat to celebrate? He would have. Because what father doesn't want was best for their kids. Or sometimes when your kids ask you for something crazy, you're like, you're crazy. But then eventually, you're like, okay, how much is it? right? And then you give in. So I imagine if he would have asked, hey, dad, can I? The dad probably would have said, okay, mijo. But the fact that he never asked, it means that there was not relationship there. So he was there. He was with the father. He was under his roof. But there was no relationship. Although he was serving, there was no relationship with the father. And he tells them, when this son of yours comes back after spending all this money with prostitutes, you celebrate him? I think it's funny how he assumed that his brother spent all his money with prostitutes. Because if you go back, it says that he spent all his money and what? While living. So the older brother is assuming because he was so mad. How dare you, dad? So this son, although he stayed and he was working for his father, he was not serving and obeying out of love, but rather out of routine. How is your relationship with the Father this morning? You can be here week after week, perhaps even serving, working in the church. But how is your relationship with the Father? How is your relationship with him when you go home? How is your Monday through Friday? How does that look? You don't just serve the Father here. You serve the Father actually more out there. Because in here is where you congregate and we get to fellowship and worship together. But you really are doing the work out there. So how does that look for you? Perhaps you cannot identify yourself with the first son that walked away. But maybe you can relate to the second one. In the father's house, but no relationship. Just here because there's nothing better to do on a Sunday morning. I mean, football don't start till like 2.00. Or maybe 12. Or maybe you're just serving to serve. The younger son that left had already gone through enough, I believe. He didn't need his brother also pointing the finger at him. And I pray that we are never, will never be the church that when someone leaves and they come back, will never be the church that just points the fingers, but just love instead I love the father's response. He said, it was fitting to celebrate and be glad. For this, your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Let our love, Numa, be the magnet that attracts the ashamed, the unloved, the lost. As a church, that is what we're called to do. The word says in John thirteen thirty four and 35, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another by this, by what? By your love, all people will know that you are my disciples and you have love for one another. If we're not reaching the lost and welcoming those who come home, then what are we doing? There is a clip I want to play for you guys. And I want to ask the worship team to start hitting this way. Like I told you guys, I've been watching the, we've been watching the chosen. And we just recently watched this episode. And this specific clip was so touching to me because this is when Mary walked away from Jesus And this is Jesus' response to Mary coming back. It's not you. There's quite a lot going on right now. So it's good to have you back. I don't know what to say. I don't require much. I'm. I'm just so ashamed. You redeemed me and I just threw it all away. Well, that's not much of a redemption if it can be lost in a day, is it? I owe you everything. The. But... I just don't think I can do it. Do what? Live up to it. Repay you. How could I leave? How could I go back to the place I was? And I didn't even... I didn't even come back on my own. They had to come get me. (sighs) I just can't live up to it. Well, that's true. (laughs) But you don't have to. I just want your heart. A father just wants your heart. Give us that, which you already have. And the rest will come in time. Did you really think that you'd never struggle or sin again? I know how painful that moment was for you. I shouldn't. Someday. But not here. I'm just so sorry. Look up. (laughs) I can't. You can. Look at me. you (laughs) it's over (laughs) the father just wants your heart give us that That's what the father is telling you this morning. He doesn't care what you've done. He doesn't care how low you've gone. He just wants your heart and he wants you back. When the prodigal son came back home, the father told his servant bring him the best robe, a ring, and some shoes. Robe in those days meant favor, approval, love, and mercy. Put a ring on his hand. The ring meant authority. Shoes on his feet. The shoes meant that he was no longer a slave because only slaves walked around barefoot. Essentially what this father was saying was, Son, you have my favor. You have my love. You have my mercy. I am giving you authority as my son. And you are no longer a slave. Someone this morning needs to hear that your heavenly father doesn't care what you've done. How ashamed you are or how unworthy you think you are. Our choices can make us feel embarrassed, ashamed, unworthy, dirty. But can I tell you that it doesn't matter how many times you failed. Today is the day that you need to toss the dirt off your knees. Clean your tears, repent and come back home. The Father is waiting for you. Only the enemy cares to remind you of your sins let him keep you in shame and in bondage. Perhaps you identify yourself a little more with the son who left or the one who was just serving out of routine. But the father longs to have a relationship with you both. He wants to speak to you. He wants to speak through you. You are not here just because are chosen and you are set apart I'm going to ask you to stand this is your homecoming when I was preparing this word God just kept telling me the prodigals need to come back home if that is you, I'm going to ask you to come to the altars. Please, please don't be embarrassed. Please don't be ashamed. Can I ask the prayer team to come? The Father is waiting for you and he just wants your heart. Nothing Everything else as you go. Trust me. He just wants your heart. So if you need prayer this morning. I'm going to ask you to come to these altars. The altars are open. And I know. I know that there are people. That long to have a relationship with the Father. But they just don't know where to start. There are people who feel that they just have sinned so much. They've done so much. They've failed so many times that they just don't feel unworthy. But the Father wants to remind you that He He loves you. He loves you. He loves you. And He just wants you back. listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.